lot of times I choose to pray at the end of the service rather than that at the beginning of the service. Build with faith. Build with faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And faith is also a spirit that we that there's, there's something that we catch that energizes us to take a hold. Jesus, when he was on it, in his own hometown, Nazareth, he came there and there were mighty works to be done. And there were great needs that were in Nazareth. But the word says, that he could there do no mighty works because of their unbelief. It doesn't matter where it is. Faith has got to be embraced and unbelief has got to be turned loose of. And as we turn loose of the things that we need to turn loose of and take a hold of the things that we need to take a hold of, it allows God to do what only God can do. And God, he specializes in the miraculous. Amen. But it also says right after that, that Jesus went out and began to teach. Because unbelief is a problem, but there's a remedy for the problem. And the remedy is the teaching of God's word. And as the teaching of God's word is received, something rises up in us that we take a hold of something and God takes a hold of it with us. It's not that we're trying to convince God. If it is, we are, we've missed something. Because the whole Bible is, is written out, but he's trying to convince us. But then he says to us, I believe it's in Isaiah, he says, remind me of the things that I have said. Is it because he forgot? No. Because when we become studious enough that we're able to remind God of what he says, it's just a way of getting it down deeper in us that we remember what he said. Now, a lot of times that prayer's done, people have no clue what they're even basing it on. I just need this to take place. And God says, I need you. I want it to take place for you, but I need you to cooperate with me. F.F. Bosworth, when he was just a youngster was one of the people that were in the Azuzu Street revival that took place in California. And being in that environment had such an impact on his life. He preached to stadiums and places full of people. Saw thousands and 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 thousands of people healed. And he said, all faith 
is based on what God said. All faith is based on what God said. Now, a lot of times we want, we want to embellish this and make it sound, sound bigger and better. But there's some things that cannot be improved on. And what God has said is what God has said. And if we will get on the page with what God said, we can have what God said. Amen? That's what He, want, that's what he wants us to do. Now, the passage of Scripture that I want to read to us this morning, I want us to see something that when things don't happen, a word that's been spoken to you doesn't happen quite as fast as you would want it to. What do you do with it? Because we're still on the subject of positioning ourselves for the suddenness of God. Because when God does something in your life, you ask yourself, was it worth, worth the wait? Now, <clears throat> I'm going to use this about me and Sandy for a minute. I'm going to speak to something else for just a second, but I'm saying it to make a point. Sandy and I have been married for 25 years plus now. We, weren't we didn't know each other very long before we got married. But we had, we had made an agreement. It's just a mutual. It wasn't a my, what, no big signed contract or anything like that. But the, the agreement was, and it, it, it wasn't so much that it was just verbal, was that we would not have sex before we got married. Now, we both grown people. But we, but we knew this, that we weren't going to have sex before we had married, before we got married. You say, well, is it that big of a deal? Well, to us it was. Because there was something that was worth waiting for. And a lot of times people want the reward for something ahead of time instead of following the obedience that God has. And there's been many times that we have looked at each other and we, and we have said, I sure am glad we waited. Now that's not a condemnation on anybody else. But all I'm saying is, there's a blessing that God has for waiting for what he's told us to wait for. But there's a stance and a position in the waiting that's of most importance. Because a lot of times we think that we, if we're waiting, we're just doing without. But it's, it's called a time of preparation. And in a time of preparation, there is no wasted motion. And if we see ourselves in waiting, in, in positioning ourselves for a suddenly, and it doesn't happen as fast as we want it to, I, 
a lot of times that is a pressure to move us out of that place of position. But that place of position is part of your training. I shared this, and I'll get to our text in, in a minute. I shared this Wednesday night, but I want to bring it out right here. The Lord sent us halfway across the United States to go to school. During my time in school, I was, when I first got there, I was pursuing a job at a church. The, uh, the pastor at the church, they had a school and he said, this is going to require more hours than, than what you can put in and it's going to take away from your study. So I didn't get that job. So I got a job in a cabinet shop. We're going to school and working after school 40 to 70 hours a week. And that wasn't enough, so I started hauling newspaper on Saturday night, Sunday morning. I had to go to the newspaper printing company with a van, pick up a whole load of newspaper and carry it to one or two stops and unload it, carry the van back, take my car and go back home. And when you've worked and gone to school all week long, you drag it when it comes to Sunday morning. Don't you think I don't know about Sunday morning? But one of the things that was encouraged to us is said, all of your <laughs> training won't take place in school in these classes. You need to plug into the church or that your training can, can be enhanced. So, one or two Sundays, we had what, what was called School of the Bible, which is Sunday school. All of the different classes or age groups had their class. From 20 to, 20 to 29, 30 to 39, most people that are in that slot are going through basically the same things in life. And there's a lot of answers that would take and come in that, in that, in that session that was taking place. And if you weren't there, you didn't, get your, you didn't get the information that you needed to. So, one or two Sundays, I laid in that bed. Because I was tired. And sometimes you've got to give yourself a talking to. And I said, you know, if you wanted to miss God, you could have stayed in Preston. You want to have a travel walk halfway across the United States. Now, you ain't doing this. You're going to get out of this bed and you're going to go to that school of the Bible class. Because that's part of your training. So, I portray it like this. Sometimes you've got to grab yourself by the seat of the pants. And sometimes you've got to grab yourself by the nap of the neck. And you've got to say to yourself, you're going to get your sorry hide up out of that bed. And you're going to go do what you're supposed to do. I don't care what you feel like. You're going to do what you're supposed to because your training and preparation 
is of utmost importance. We can miss out on God laying in bed. I can miss out on God laying in bed. I'm preaching to me. I had to apply. Because times of preparation, brothers and sisters, are never wasted. And in those times of preparation, there's some of, some of the greatest insights will happen in your life and little teeny things that you think that didn't make, wouldn't make any difference were the very things that made all of the difference. Because everything is built one brick at a time. My daddy tells about when they, when they built a building up there in Plymouth and they, they uh, asked this fellow that worked alone, he was a brick, brick mason, and they said, uh, can you do this whole job by yourself? He said, that's a lot of bricks. You know what his answer was? He said, you can't lay but one at a time. See, a lot of times we get overwhelmed with the task and not realize that you have to take it one step at a time, one piece at a time. And the preparation works this same way. But I want you to see with me this morning the reward of following after the Lord with all in your heart. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke. Say it with me. I've been positioned. For the suddenly. Hallelujah. Luke 2, starting in verse number 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus which was so named by the angel before. He was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought forth him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout. Catch those words, just and devout. Waiting. He was just and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. What was he doing? He was waiting. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Catch those words. Catch the spirit of that. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. Right places at the right time. This is the position 
This is a positioning to be able to be in the right place at the right time. And he came by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for them after the custom of the law. And he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared. There's that word, prepared. Prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken to him, of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the rise and fall, for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce, thy, pierce through thy soul also and the thoughts of many hearts may be that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed and there was one Anna a prophetess a daughter of Phineal of the tribe of Asher she was of great age and lived with her husband seven years from her virginity and she was a widow about Four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayer night and day. She coming in in that instant gave thanks to the Lord, thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him all them that looked upon who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, he returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Pray with me. Father, I ask that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we would know what's the hope of your calling and what's the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and what's the exceeding greatness of your power for us who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places and ask that you grant us according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what's the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, so that we'd be filled with all the fullness of God. Holy Spirit, I ask you for divine utterance this morning. I ask that you would help me to communicate the heart of the Father to us, your people, and I ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Now, in Sunday school this morning, Jesus was talking to his disciples, his followers, and he was given instruction about money, how to use it, when to use it, what to use it for, prayer, when and how to use it. But there was something that that was tied in with every bit of it was doing it right or doing it wrong and there was a reward that was going to come either way. If you did it just to be seen, you got your reward. If you did it to be heard of God, you got your reward. Are we willing to wait in the place, in position? See, this is, this is one of the things that I, I think a lot of times because we live in a society that is, is uh, so fast-paced that we expect everything to happen fast. And if it doesn't hap happen fast, a lot of times we give up hope. And a lot of times what it reveals is that our, that our believing was really shallow. Smith Wigglesworth said, said sort of like this. He said, the person who doesn't get it right then and then they, and they give up, he said, they weren't believing to start with. Well, that's offensive to a lot of people. So I was believing. Here we are talking about positioning ourselves for the suddenness. But when the suddenness don't happen that very moment, is that me, Bobby? He weren't going to the bathroom. He was, he was, he was preparing for the suddenly. <laughs> Hallelujah. He was preparing for the suddenly. Brothers and sisters, the things of God in this waiting mode, if we're just sitting around twiddling our thumbs, we're not really in a place of waiting. Mm -hmm. Because there may, may be things that you might not be doing, but there's things that you must be doing in the positioning of ourselves in that waiting. You know, I've used this illustration. I'm going to bring it out again. If you go to a nice restaurant, there'll be somebody who seats you. And then they will ask you questions like, uh, what would you like to drink tonight? And then they'll bring that back and ask them, would you, would you like any appetizers? What would you like for your main course? Steak. 
And the whole time, the whole time that you're that you're there, their goal is waiting on you. Now, a lot of times when you think that they're waiting on waiting on me, are, are they just sitting there watching me eat my food? Are they sitting there just watching me drink? Well, I'm sitting right here. Do you need anything else? Do you need anything else? Yeah. Do you need anything else? No. They're over here doing other things, but at the same time that they're doing other things, they've still got their mind on you. Because they know that if they don't do a good job looking after you, it may have an effect on what they receive at the end of this transaction. Now, I want to take and back that back statement out for us for just a few minutes. Because while we're waiting on God and ministering to the Lord, we have this illustration in the book of Acts. There were certain prophets and teachers that was, that was in this area. And they had come together and they ministered to the Lord. And as they ministered to the Lord, the Holy Ghost came and gave a word. <coughs> and he says to separate to these two for the work that I've called them to do. There was specific information that was given. And as they, they were in a position that they could receive, there was a transmitter, but there was also a receiver. <clears throat> and we have to be able to catch, receive what God is transmitting. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. The two people that we have in our, in our lesson today is Simeon and Anna. Both of them are old people. And a lot of times you say, well, a lot of times old people ask questions like this. I don't know why the Lord still got me here. I don't know why he just going to take me home. You know what that tells me? That's a person who don't know what their purpose is. Because no matter what the age if we are hooked in to the purpose of God, we know that we're where we're supposed to be. And then do it with all of your might as long as you're in that position. And when it's time to change that position, the Lord will, will let you know that it's time to change that position. So there's a holding pattern, but there's a in that holding pattern, there is a place of faith. And the positioning of this takes place in every area of our life. We think that, that, it's just, that this was just for Anna and Simeon. But no, this is for David and Sandy. This is for Lynn and Stacy. This is for Sammy and Carol. These positionings that God has for us are a must. 
that we learn our place and be in that place. If we're not in that place at, of the where we're supposed to be at these divine appointments, the appointment is coming. It's set up for a certain time as this. But wouldn't it be a crying shame for the outpouring of the Spirit that was in, that took place in California on Azusa Street and affected the whole known world? Because there were people that came out of there that went everywhere. If they weren't positioned or they didn't see the value of the positioning or they chose for something else to do that they thought was great. That's one that we have to deal with because a lot of times we take the lesser and put it in the place of the greater. And, and then say, well, Lord, I just want you to bless that. He says, you have your reward. But here... I want you to see, I want us to see and catch the spirit behind Simeon and Anna. It had told, was told to him by the spirit of God that he should not, Simeon should not see death until he had seen the consolation of Israel. Until he had seen the kingdom of God come. And while they were and brothers and sisters, it's, it's easy to take and let other things slip in and draw our attention. And how many know have found out it sure don't take long for a year to go by? Have you found out that one yet? Now we're getting ready to start another. Now in the middle of January, you can go ahead and mark it down. We're going to be having a revival. Because I want you to be positioning yourself, not only to come to revival, but I want you to be positioning yourself so that we're in the place, so that when the revival things take place, we catch it. Because say, I'm a receiver. I'm a receiver. I'm a receiver. I'm a receiver. See, the Holy Ghost, the transmitter's got things that he wants to do. I believe that there's divine appointments that take place. And they will be Things that will try to steal those times away. Because the devil don't want you to get what God's got for you. And you are an integral part of the plan of God for this church, for this community, and for the work of God, and for the kingdom of God to take place in this world. And you're just important. You're important to God. So... Simeon has been told this, that he's going to see the consolation of Israel. Now, the Holy Ghost has been speaking to him. And as the Holy Ghost is speaking, telling him different things that's going to happen, here he is just going about his responsibilities and duties. You've got responsibilities and duties. You've got obligations that have to be fulfilled. You've got some that God has given you. You've got some that you've took on for yourself. 
And it's a cry of shame that when the ones we took on for ourselves becomes greater than the obligations that we have to God. That's a whole other sermon within itself, but we ain't going there right now. <clears throat> when other things are more important than him. But singing has been given this information by the Holy Ghost. Telling him, you will not see death. You will not experience death until you sing the consolation of Israel. And here comes this new couple to the synagogue. And they're carrying a new baby. And everybody loves a new baby. I don't care who it is. They love them. They love to see a new baby. Especially mamas. And an excited daddy. But I want you to see the position. Of the hand of God and how an intersection is made right here with the plan and purpose of God and the fulfillment of the word that he's spoken. So Mary and Joseph come in, they carry Jesus in her arms. She's been through a time of purification and now she's taken and she's Time for him to be circumcised. It was a natural process in the Jewish culture. The eighth day, this was happening. So I thought I was just taking the baby to get him circumcised. But God had something altogether different planned out. Now, Brenda, this is an old man. He'd seen many circumcisions. He knew about that it was a sign of covenant. He knew that it was a command that God had given to his father, Abraham. He understood all of the dynamics about it. He understood what the mechanics of it. But he didn't know that day that when that baby was placed in his hands that he was going to be holding the consolation of Israel or he was going to be holding the Lord's Messiah. You remember in the, in the, uh, the model prayer? Our Father which art in heaven thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus here, the one that he was holding in his hands, was the one who was bringing about the kingdom of God. He was holding this in his hand. He wasn't just holding a baby. See, a lot of times that we, we, we look at ourselves and we just as natural as Jesus was. We're just as natural as Simeon was. But brothers and sisters, the call of God that he's placed on our lives 
Jeremiah, I believe it was, said, he called me when I was still in my mother's womb. God's got a plan and he's got a purpose for people's life. That was there from the very beginning. And we think that we catch it on years later. But it was God's plan all together. And, and Simeon is holding this baby in his, in his hands and thinking it's just another baby. And there's something about the quickness of the Spirit of God. Can anybody in here identify with what I'm, what, what I'm saying right there? The, the Holy Ghost saying something about what's taking place right now. And you think that it's just as natural as anything. And the Lord said, yeah, did you notice that? See, I've got a black brother. And I've shared this, this, this story with you before. He was in the military. They had changed his station from South Carolina to Virginia. And he was having to go back and forth because they hadn't had their house and all set up yet. So he was, his wife was back in South Carolina. He was in, he was in Virginia. So he had to go back and forth. So he had to go through, his, his route took him through Murfreesboro. And there was a Hardee's that was there at the time. And he stopped to go to the bathroom and all. And he said while he was in there, in the bathroom, he said, this, this fellow walks in. And he says to him, he said, how you doing? Everything going to be all right? Are you okay? Everything going to be all right? And he said, while he was up there washing his hands, he said, do you know who that was that just talked with you? There's something taking place here. He says he gets, he goes out and looks. And he says, the fellow's walking out. He walks out, out the back of the building. There ain't no door there. Positioning ourselves for the suddenness. So Simeon is holding this baby in his arms. Becky, I bet you he's got goosebumps all over him that's as big as grapefruits. <laughs> he's, got, he's got goosebumps on goosebumps on goosebumps. And you know what? Thank God for goosebumps. But God is bigger than a goosebump. Mm -hmm. But think of this. Here he has, and the Lord has spoken this word to him, and it's never left his mind, his subconscious. He's still, he's still God. So this day, when he's holding this baby in his arms, he said, the Holy Spirit says, that's the one you've been waiting for. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the one you've been waiting for. And I can, I can, there's just something about it. That's the only way I know how to describe it. Whenever you find yourself in a, in a place 
that you have been positioned for one of these Sundays, it's the most humbling thing that has ever happened in your life. And it'll just make you, it'll make you want to cry. It'll make you want to shout. It'll make you want to run. It'll make you want to do all of these different things because there ain't one, one emotion that can, that can hold all of these different things that are taking place. So I can imagine sitting in there. And the Holy Ghost says, and he knows it. Time, time he puts that baby in his hand, there's something in him that identifies with the spirit that's in that baby. Of the spirit that's in him. And the Holy Ghost says, This is the one. Yes, amen. This is the one. And you ask yourself then, you as you could ask him, say, Simeon, was it worth waiting for? And he will say, Man, you just don't you just don't know. You just don't know. I thought I had lived life, but I hadn't lived life. Until I held that baby, that baby in my hands. And then the Spirit of God gives these here words. And Mary and Joseph both marvel at it. And some of the words that, that Mary receives is pretty heavy for her. But who is this baby? He's the consolation of Israel. He's the one who's bringing about the kingdom come. He's the one that is the redeemer. He's the one that's the life giver. And the same one where she's received this, this prophecy and some of it heavy about herself, he's going to be the one that's going to help me through this whole thing. And then you have another woman. And it, let's do the math just a little bit. Here's a lady that's been serving God with all of her heart. She's been in the temple seven years since her virginity. So seven years, and she's been there eight, four score and four, which is 84. 84 plus seven is 91. Since her virginity. My mama got married when she was 16. Some people have got married when they're as young as 13. You ain't looking forward to that day. <laughs> if, you know, so, different times. You need to go to school. So, 91 plus 10 would be 101, then 3, 104, if she was 16. How many more is that? No, not 120. So. Huh? 100 so. I don't know. You lost me. I did. I got one. I got... I said it, and I took the numbers out of my head when I said it. But she would have been. <laughs> the words 
you to notice, notice both of these people, where they were at. They were in their service to God, doing what they were supposed to be doing. But the thing that I want us to notice more than anything else is the intersections that take place. The divine intersections that take place. Because in a few moments' time, either one of them could have missed their opportunity. But they didn't. And God's got opportunities that he has got set for us to walk into. People that will come into your life, some of them will sow something into your life, and some of them you'll sow into their life. But there will be God encounters in those places that will be life-changing in every one of those places where we intersect. And you ask Anna and Simeon both, was it worth waiting for? Was it worth positioning myself? Did you know that that suddenly could be so suddenly and that it could carry so much weight with it in that suddenly moment? That that moment defined the rest of your life. That moment made an impact on you. And Samuel said it like this. He says, uh, Lord, I've seen your salvation. I am ready to go now. I can leave this world. This has been fulfilled that you have prophesied and spoken to me. Thank God I waited for it. But at the same time that I was waiting for it, I was ministering to him because the time of preparation is never wasted. See, I've had the Holy Spirit speak that word to me. A lot of times we want to do something and we feel like that we ain't doing something unless we're doing something. We ought to be doing something. Thank God for different positionings that he's had for me right here in this spot. Right here in this church. I remember the first time I ever came to this church. It wasn't that I really wanted to go, to go to another church meeting. Holly wanted to go to a revival here. So I decided that I would go to a revival with her. When I came to the revival with her, there was something that clicked on the inside. It had nothing to do with a sermon. It had nothing to do with people. It had something to do with the Holy Ghost. And there was something that clicked. And I knew that I was supposed to be here. So in capacity, I've been a Sunday school teacher, an elder, and was satisfied with doing both. Not knowing that one day 
I was going to be a pastor, but to positioning prepares you for the suddenness. They always prepare you for the suddenness. And God has suddenness that he wants to be done. But they're not just in my life. But ain't nobody that can position me for the suddenly but me. And nobody can position you for the suddenly but you. And your suddenly might be one day laying your hand on somebody and speaking life into them. You're suddenly, it could be a lot of different things. But I guarantee you, if you ask Simeon and Anna, was it worth waiting for? Can you see that old woman, hundred and some years old? Glory to God. Was it worth waiting for? She said, you just don't know. Words cannot describe. One encounter with God. One encounter with God. One word from God. Next to your friend said it like this. She said, my husband was an unbeliever. He didn't go to church. She said, I grew up going to church. She said, he worked on a construction job. He said, on that construction job, there was one man that would invite him to church. He said, after he went and, or invited him to church, he would always go to the poor pie. And her husband would always respond to him with flowery words. A whole lot of words that don't need to be repeated. But this particular time, and this had happened for a, quite, a, quite a period of time. He said, if I go to church with you, will you not ask me no more? He said, yes, I will. I won't ask you no more. So, he went to church with him. He had an encounter of the God kind. Mm -hmm. God met with him. That's that preparation for that suddenly. He asked the man, said, why did you always go to that poor party after you would invite me to church and I'd give you these, all of these flowery words? You know what his answer was? So I wouldn't kill you. <laughs> so, I could, so I could pray through because everybody's got flesh and nobody likes to be talked to in a wrong way. But he was being used for a suddenly. But at the same time he was being used for a suddenly, the Lord was positioning him. Every time that he would have to go to that porta potty and pray, like old people would say, that he had to pray through. He had to take authority over his flesh. He had to do something. So that time in that porta potty. Not going to the bathroom because I, I've been in those things. And if you're looking for a place to pray, it ain't the place to pray. <laughs> it's the place to get out of. You can tell this man needed to make a connection. <laughs> Amen? That's all I need to say about that. 
Positioning ourselves for the suddenness. Simeon held the gift of God run his hands. Such an honor. Such an honor to be able to say, I held God in my hands. I held God in my hands. Every baby mamas look and I look at them and say, that's a miracle. And it is. But can you imagine to hold God in your hands? What a privilege. What a privilege. Just think. And it didn't just affect him there. It affected him. It, that will be affecting him for all eternity. There will be people that walk up to Simeon and say, Hey, that's the man who held God in his hands. Come on, Evan. Let's talk for about 10,000 years on this one subject. And I seem to say, I'm sorry. I can't do it in 10,000 years. It'll take, it'll take a little more than that for me to be able to get out of what took place in me when I held that baby. When I held God in my hands. You say, was it worth it? Positioning myself for that suddenly? And he'll say, you just don't know. You just don't know. It is so absolutely spectacular. And Anna, was it worth waiting for? It was the highlight of my life. I can go home and be with the Lord now. Because I have experienced the Lord's salvation. Amen? Now, that brings us up to speed on that. But I want to talk for a few minutes about positioning for, for the suddenness. Again, Stacy, I want you to share. share what you encountered and experienced this weekend. Uh, Friday afternoon, evening, Jennifer called me that she was taking Heather to, she called 911 and she was taking Heather to the hospital um, when the ambulance took her. And um, me and mom, me and mom met her out there and you know, Heather was coming out of a very bad seizure. Um, it had lasted well over an hour. They actually had thought it was a stroke because she was not focusing like she was supposed to. It was causing part of her face to even like pull down more than what it usually does during a stroke. Her oxygen levels had gone down to like 56. Her blood pressure was like 80, 84, over 50 something. Um, anyway, so we visited her for a while and then I went home, we went home. And she messaged, she called me back and she said they have rushed Heather to trauma. Her vitals are falling. And so I rushed to the hospital 
And as soon as I got there, Jennifer met me at the door. We started walking towards Heather's room. They called for Jennifer and they said, we need to take you to a room. And we immediately were like, oh my goodness, you know, what is happening? And they, were, they took us into a room and they told Jennifer, they said, you're gonna have to make some very difficult decisions. You have two options. You can intubate Heather, which will then, um, her body's gonna have to fight and we don't know if her body's gonna be able to make it through intubation. But if it does, she's gonna have to have trach. After a trach, she's gonna have to have lots and lots of rehabilitation. I don't think she can make it through intubation. Jennifer said, well, I don't want that option anyway. Um, what's my other option? He said, your other option is hospice. Well, he said, your other option is keeping her comfortable. I said, by keeping her comfortable, do you mean palliative care, hospice, until she passes? And he said, that's exactly what I mean. And really, that was the only option we had at the moment um, because I do too. Um, Jennifer didn't want to do intubation. So I said, or is she going to have time to, to talk to her? and get to you know spend time with them before they, they take her over to the palliative care and they give her the medication that pretty much just makes her go to sleep and be comfortable until she passes and they said yes so they took us into the room and we sat with heather we sat with her i think it was like two hours and in those two hours god completely there was a miracle that happened um she she just it just turned around it was almost instantly it just seemed like everything just started turning around. Um, her oxygen levels started rising again. Her blood pressure started rising. She started getting sassy with the nurses. She even at one point sat completely up and they did an x-ray on her lungs and her left lung is, was completely wiped out. They said it was a blockage of like lungs, um, mucus, whatever. When we saw her, she could barely make a cough. It was literally like, like a breath, but they were saying she was trying to cough. While we while we were there, practically letting Jennifer say you know goodbye to her is what they told her. Um, she started coughing, she just started coughing all this stuff up, and they were suctioning everything out. Um, at one point, I mean, she just became alert, and at one point the nurse came in there, lifted up the suction thing, and Heather looked at her and shook her head no, and. The nurses were like, this is not the same person that was getting ready to go to hospice. They were like, this, this is unbelievable. Like, they were just mind blown at within maybe two hours, if that, taking someone to hospice to, this person doesn't have to be in hospice. And then on top of that, um, I mean, at one point her, her oxygen levels went the whole way to 99. And they brought her down to 50% oxygen and then um, when I talked to Jennifer yesterday afternoon, she had, they had told her, go home, Heather's stable. She's stable. You know, she was, she was sitting at about 93 oxygen on 50%, and she was resting, and she was good. Um, palliative care did come in and say, we can still take her over there. She just won't be, like, on monitors, but she won't be given the medication. She'll just be there, you know, and... I said, does she have an option to just go to her room? He was like, absolutely. She can just go to her room. She doesn't have to be in palliative care. So Jennifer talked to her doctor. They talked to the main doctor, and the doctor agreed she doesn't need palliative care. So we went, in two hours, we went from say goodbyes, she's going to palliative care too. She doesn't need it anymore. We're going to put her in a regular room, which is where she is right now. Um, and then Jennifer, when I talked to her yesterday afternoon, she had told her to go home and um, get some rest.
when she came back, Kelly's mask, her oxygen mask had slipped down. And she looked at her stats and she was at 97% oxygen with no help at all. And she has not been on oxygen since. She's completely on oxygen and she's stable. So God completely created a miracle on that. But I want to position us for the next miracle. And that is for her um, nourishment. Heather has not eaten in three days. And she is not, um, she, she can't have a feeding tube because she'll snatch it out. Even when they, um, they have soft restraints on her, she can still get them loose a little bit. And I mean, they can't keep her restrained 24-7. You know, they just can't. She's got to have some movement. So as of right now, they're still trying to find ways to give her nourishment. So that's the next miracle that we need to be in position for. So that brings us to the way that we need to pray. I told um, Stacy a story this morning. And I want to share it with us also. Because a lot of times we think that the best way to do something is just throw more prayer at it. That's not, that's not always the truth. In, that, in, that, in the way that I'm, let me present it before you shoot it down. Brother Hagen was in this revival meeting. And it was just before they were going to do the offering turn the service over to him. This woman stands up and she says, so-and-so, my neighbor, the doctors say that she won't live through the night. I think we should pray for her. So, everybody agrees they should pray. They, they touch, they agree. The doctors say, She's over the worst. She's going to make it now. The next night, about the same thing takes place. She pops up and she says, I think we should pray for so-and-so. She's, she's mighty weak. Now, let me ask you a logical question. If you've been sick, are you weak? Don't get real spiritual. Yes. Yes. Because most time when you're sick, you don't feel like eating. Or you can't eat. So, she says, I think we should pray for her. And... Holy Spirit speaks to him and he says she'll be dead in three days and he said what they should have done see and this is what I told Stacy see we've got to, we've got to be mindful of what we are praying and how we're praying and what kind of prayer that we're using because a lot of times we lump every prayer into the same thing. And every prayer ain't the same thing. What they were did, what they did the first night, they put 
the woman in his hands. The second night, they took, him, took her out of his hands. Oh, they still prayed. But the positioning of what we do in our prayer is of utmost importance. Because there can be a prayer of faith, and there can also be a prayer of unbelief. Now, somebody asked Smith Wigglesworth, said, how does faith work? You know what his answer was? I read this in one of his books, and it like blew me away because my ignorance was so great. He said, first the blade, then the ear, then the full coin in the ear. I said, what in the world is this crazy man talking about? Somebody asked him about how, how does faith work? He said, first the blade, then the ear, then the full coin in the ear. I didn't, I didn't have a clue that he was talking Bible. But he was talking the Bible. Because that's what the Bible says, how it works. First the blade, then the ear, then the full coin in the ear. Pro progress. Process of the way that it's done. When you plant a seed, the first thing that you see is the blade. Then the ear. Then the full coin in the ear. Then it's ready for harvest. So, here in positioning for this, because I don't want us to unhook from believing God. So, we're going to take the stance of thanking God for what he's done. That's why she was careful about, I think that this, you know, it's not a thing, we just need to throw more prayer at it. You can pray and you can pray in unbelief, and you can pray and you can pray in faith. I think we should pray in faith. Amen? Amen. So, if we're going to pray in faith, we need to know what we're praying about. Amen? So, what people fail to see is there is a type of prayer that is called the prayer of thanksgiving. And in the prayer of thanksgiving, you're thanking God for something that he's already done. So, you've already seen one miracle. So we thank him, and let's do that right now. Let's lift our hands and let's glorify him because he is the God of the miraculous. Father, we just praise you. We just honor you. We just bring glory to your name. There is none like you. There is none like you. And we worship you and you thank you. We thank you for working in this baby's life. We thank you for working in Stacy's life. We thank you for working in Jennifer's life. We just praise you because you are a good God. You are a merciful God. You are a kind God. You are a considerate God. And we just thank you. Hallelujah. 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 And we're thankful for that. But Father, there's something else that we need. There's something else that we need. And this baby needs some nourishment. She needs some nourishment. So I ask that you feed this baby. 
that you would feed this baby. We asked you for the food. We asked that she would be able to retain it. And that her body would be strengthened. And in advance, I want to thank you for this one. You are the God who is more than enough. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for healing her body. Did you know that there's a difference in, in healing and miracles? And every condition to people can't be done through a healing. Some things have to be done through a miracle. So a lot of times we might be praying for one thing and something else we need. Thank God that he's a healing God. But thank God that he's a miracle working God. But thank God for the Holy Ghost because he knows the difference between the two. Now how many believe that this baby is going to be fed? Yes, than to believe for the worst and get 100%. See, there's got to be a hope. There's got to be an expectation on the inside. God is still working. We may not know how and we may not know just when, but we know he will do it again. Amen? And we ain't turning loose. We are not of those who draw back. We're strong in faith. How do you how are you know that you're strong in faith? You give glory to God. 
Well, I just don't feel like glorifying him right now. Well, you ain't strong in faith because people that are strong in faith want to give glory to God because they know that God is going to do. Not only can do, he will do. Amen? Amen. So let's believe. Let's, let's keep our faith hooked into, into this because we are not of those who, who draw back. 